Hi, this is Steve Hargadon, and welcome to the Future of Education. It's the 10th of July, 2013, and our special guests are Dave Tobias and Katie Cleary from Black Mountain Soul. Welcome. Thanks so much, Steve. Really fun to have the two of you here, especially someone obviously so famous as Katie to have this glamour shot. Was this when you were a movie star? I tried to do a glam shot myself, but it just doesn't stand up next to that. So, yeah. <laughs> I was helping a local boutique with their um, with their material. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. certainly, were, you certainly raised the bar, right? Katie. Yeah. <laughs> the Future of Education is a Web 2.0 Labs project. <laughs> Thanks to Blackboard Collaborate for providing this room. Uh, tomorrow or Friday, I think I will finally be announcing the homeschool Worldwide Homeschool Conference, which will be in late August. It will be a fast turnaround, but it's going to be lots of fun. In September is our Global STEM X Conference. Then in October, the Worldwide Library 2.013 Conference. October will also be Connected Educator Month. And we don't have all the details yet, but uh, Library 2.013, a version of the Reform Symposium. There's going to be a lot going on uh, that month. And then in November, our great uh, Global Education Conference, the five-day, four to 500 session event. Please don't miss it. Now, uh, we are announcing for January in 2014 an Aussie Live Conference. This is Australia, New Zealand, EdTech Down Under, uh, in order to have them get some time-friendly activities. And then in February, we're going to run a virtual conference called Rethinking Higher Ed. And I think that Black Mountain is going to be running a similar physical conference in the fall. Do you want to mention that briefly, Katie? Yeah. In the fall, on October 25th through 27th, we're actually going to be holding an in-person conference at our site with the uh, central idea of Rethinking Education and very participatory with really having a conversation and a dialogue around what is the purpose of education? What is the role of education, specifically in the higher ed sphere? And then what do we do now? And really people leading with next action steps so we can actually start creating Very fun. And then in March will be our second annual School Leadership Summit, sponsored by TCAL. And so lots of fun coming up. Coming up on the future of education, Franz Johansson is going to be our next guest. It is a little ways away, but on July 23rd, he's going to talk about his book, The Click Moment. I really like this book, and I think it has some profound lessons for education, although it is not an education book. On July 30th, Don Winkle is going to talk about student entrepreneurship and the real flipped learning. August 20th, Anne Michelson and her students, who have written a book called Connected Learners, are going to come on. David Marshak on self-design on the 27th of August. Michelle Cordy will be coming on in September. Michelle is a hoot. You are going to love Michelle. She's going to talk about hacking your classroom. And she is, oh, and she is in the audience. I did not know that, Michelle. It was just an unsolicited, uh, an authentic expression of my appreciation of you. Doug Johnson on September 10th to talk about the indispensable librarian. And then Christine Groslow 
is going to come on and talk about her book on Parenting Without Borders. She's looked at parenting across different cultures. And I think we're going to find some really good lessons there as well. And then on October 1st, Will Richardson on Why School. If you've missed any of the shows, they are all recorded in full Blackboard Collaborate versions and in MP3. Larry Ferlazzo talked to us about self-driven learning. Uh, what a great guy and what a terrific show that was. Anyway, lots up there. I think close to 400 shows by now. Please feel free to, to listen to them, give feedback, make suggestions, anything you would like. So this is where those of you in our studio audience get to indicate where you're participating from. Look for the star to the left of the map. And you click on that, and then you click twice. And you can also put in the chat your location, the time, the temperature. It's fun for people to know where you are. Oh, that's cool. Baton Rouge, LA County. Please feel free to keep putting those notes in the chat as we move on. Nikki, you must be our Australia star. So Katie and Dave, this is really fun for me. I'm going to tell sort of briefly the story of how we met. Uh, it started at the Arrow Conference the Alternative Education Resource Organization conference in, um, um, in New York, uh, where, Katie, you and I met. And this was one of the most interesting conferences I think I've ever been to. I really loved this conference. All, all, sort, all forms of alternative education and, and lots of inclusiveness and a variety of different ways of thinking about education. And you had a table there. I, I think I picked up the flyer. It was a little confusing to me, so I asked you to actually sit down with me and explain it. And then uh, it happened that I was driving to North Carolina to see our son. And you were sort of a short hop away from getting there. And I'm, I have a hard time believing this was full coincidence, because it was just such a magical kind of set, confluence of circumstances to be able to come by on a beautiful, gorgeous day and to see the campus and to kind of get the pitch from the two of you. But the next part of the story, I think, is, is equally as fun. And that was your sponsorship of the t-shirts for the Hack Education Unconference and ISTE Unplugged. So I, number one, I want to express appreciation for both of those activities, making time for me that day after the conference and then the t-shirts. And then number two, I got kind of excited. Are other people having that same reaction to this idea? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the great things for us is to have that kind of immediate feedback when we start resonating with people about really why we decided to do all of what we're up to. It really comes down to this kind of shared passion uh, for what happens when people come together to kind of engage in this joyful exploration of the things that they're curious about, whether that's, you know, entrepreneurship, whether that's uh, uh, different techniques for higher education to, to occur, um, or great things that need to be done, and how we can collaborate to get that off the ground. Um, it, it's been very exciting for us to uh, be able to share our, our passions and to, to find out that we're not the only ones with that passion. Um, kind of poked our head up, and all of a sudden, there's so many people that are in this conversation. And it's, uh, it's wonderful to have that kind of 
resonance. So I, uh, I had RDA. this slice of time with you, right? And I, and I want to give you a chance to tell me what I might have gotten wrong. Because you probably read the blog post, right? And I came and visited, and I had this sort of perception of what I saw. What did I get right in the blog post, and, and what nuance was missing? Or did I get anything just sort of blatantly wrong? I absolutely think you hit the nail on the head. Um, and one of the great things about a self-organized learning environment is there's so much about what it is that is self-generated. So what you got when you were with us and your take on it is exactly what is here to be created. And anything that you may have left out, you know, that's really going to be driven by the, the people that come. You know, there's going to be things that we can't see. Um, that we haven't baked into the plan, um, we are planning on that level of uncertainty. You know, people are going to come with ideas. They're going to come uh, with with a vision, and uh, being able to empower that and support that kind of uh, uh, idea exploration and, and collaboration—that's um, that's one of the things we get to do in a self-organized learning environment. Um, Katie, do you have any uh, uh, thing that you think might have been left off? No, I think like what you're describing is exactly right. The joy that we've had of working with Steve is the joy that we're excited about having like as the year unfolds, which is this co-creation of a community that's best serving the people who are attracted to it at this moment. Well, I'm, I don't know if anybody else in the audience is getting it, but I'm getting a little bit of a jerkiness. And uh, if it comes again, I'll ask you to turn the video off just for a second. In fact, let's try that for now. You can see there are a number of yellow dots next to people's microphone icon. And that may be because your video is using bandwidth. So Dave, if you would just Good, I'm glad I'm not alone there. Okay, so I left the, it is harder when we don't see you though, I missed that. So I left the, um, uh, that experience with you and went to New York for a week. And I, it was just on my mind, I kept thinking, oh, you could do the same thing here. It would be different. It would be a different kind of a space. But, but there are probably going to be a number of people in New York who are going to need some kind of a community for learners who are doing independent learning. Uh, do you, see, do you see this growing? Do you see this becoming a, a sort of a um, mold or a pattern for this kind of uh, a place all over the world? You know, it's it's really funny that you uh, you ask that. I. I just got back from New York up in Chatham this time with a group called Emerging Leader Labs. And the whole idea uh, behind self-organized learning environments, Emerging Leader Labs, um, any kind of community learning center really is to have a framework that is so agile and so just ideal for helping people conduct their education and collaborate with each other um, that they can do it anywhere. And that's very much the model that, that we'd like to kind of piece together, piggybacking on what you know Dr. Sugata Mitra created with the self-organized learning environment, kind of to facilitate the primary education, kind of taking those same fundamentals and saying, hey, here's here's some 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 framework 
for you to be able to start these wherever you are. And we want that to be an open source and, and collaborative uh, conversation. Um, and uh, we're, we're actually looking at a, a variety of places, both here in North Carolina, um, as well as in New York and Iowa, um, and possibly even uh, Colorado. Um, and it, it's amazing to already be thinking about these, these places that are so uh, uh, aligned and ready to start something. Um, when we are, you know, for the, we're iterating for the first time Black Mountain Soul. Um, so that's very much a part of the vision, is to have a collaborative network where resources, best practices, um, and resources can be, can be shared um, in, a, in a coherent framework that uh, are either of you prepared to, to kind of describe so you got a mutual so vision and how this matches vision. up with it or, or where it might differ? I mean, I think many of us are familiar with the hole in the wall story and then the kiosks and this sort of sense of peer learning and maybe even the, the, the non-expert mentor who supports. But um, does he directly address this kind of a higher education self-organized learning environment? He really doesn't, um, and the, the the primary experiments for, uh, for for those that are familiar with it um, and those that aren't um, was was primarily inside the kind of primary education age range, um, and you know the the three components of a self-organized learning environment uh, per his kind of uh, uh, discussion was an internet connection, peer learning, and provocative questions. Um, and inside that, there, there was a what, what we call grannies, <laughs> uh, which are just people who, who you know, kind of were there as a, as a support role, people to cheer them on and, and have them be encouraged to ask the questions and ask them how they were doing what they were doing. Um, and I think that he wanted to see that kind of extended out into the primary education age range but didn't really set up the conversation to graduate out of that. Um, and that's where we kind of saw, as we were having these conversations around how, how can we create you know, a, a learning center, a place where people can come who are adults and want to engage in, in asking questions that, that you know, they're personally interested in, starting businesses that they are passionate about, um, collaborating um, on ideas. Um, and we saw that those same fundamentals were true. Really, you know, all you need is an internet connection, access to those, those robust resources that, you know, thanks to the internet, we, we can get those for free. Um, and then, you know, that same peer learning, you know, this, this uh, kind of galvanized learning environment that you have when, when you bring people together that are engaged in that kind of inquiry. Um, and then, you know, having people there that they can, they can lean on if, if they if they need support in a certain area, having maybe a coach um, or or a mentor, just someone that's there to kind of say, oh, these are some resources that might be helpful for you, but really not there as this uh, expert. We're really there primarily as facilitators to empower them in in whatever it is that they're learning, um, and so we get to really be of service um, as a resource to that, um, and and so it's it's kind of the the, the graduated version of uh, uh, Dr. Sagatamitra's uh, soul for uh, primary education and it's kind of extending those same fundamentals um, into adult learning. 
Um, and, and what I would hope to become lifelong learning, uh, not just to jump through a, an academic hurdle at these kind of societally predetermined times, oh, this is the college time, and oh, this is the you know, high school SAT time. You know, th this is actually a, a process for learning how to learn the things that you're passionate about and finding others who are interested in bringing that kind of rigor to a conversation. Um, and I, I'm starting to go on a tangent, but TED Talks, like th this whole idea that you can, you can have an idea that starts to catalyze all kinds of other conversations. And, and that's online. And people want to continue that conversation. Like this is a place where they can do that. And they can engage knowing that that's the kind of environment that they're going to be entering when, when they come to a soul. Um, so that, that's kind of how it, it morphed from the primary education, which I think was the intention of Dr. Sugata Mitra's soul. Um, I actually see this kind of moving along I'm wondering if there's even some tension between those tracks. Right? So we hear a lot about MOOCs and we hear a lot about uh, online degrees. And you know, one of the appeals of Black Mountain is this idea that you could actually have a community of learners, you could be in a community of learners while you were doing that kind of an online degree. But it doesn't necessarily challenge the kind of learning Right, that could be traditional sort of rigor rote learning. This other track is this actually leads us in some directions of rethinking what education is. Back to the sort of the, the richer culture of education is liberating and self-driving. Do you think you're going to get people on both tracks, or or will you steer people toward the more independent track? I think the whole way we're setting this up is people are here to make their own decision about the way they want to learn. And we're not here to make a judgment call on what that looks like. And if someone feels so attracted to take a more traditional route through MOOC, they would be 100% supported in that. What I found in the conversations I've had up to this point is a lot of people I think that's who a really are good interested answer. in more alternative um, ways. Dave, did you want to add anything? Developing their skill set. I, I, I absolutely agree. I think that's a great answer. And I, I think the fundamentals of, of this whole place, and I, I can't take ownership of these ideas. So, so much of this has already been done um, in terms of a conversation for us. And we're kind of just gleaning pieces and parts that really just resonate with us. Um, you know, it's this idea that, you know, someone is going to come and they're going to have different strengths, different ways that they absorb information. Um, and, and they're also going to have different intentions for their time. You know, someone may, may very uh, diligently be pursuing a specific certificate program or a degree program. And, and I understand and we understand the importance of those uh, 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 different signals. You know, th th they're being able to have those uh, certifications to be able to go and, and, and do the work that they would like to do in life. Um, but also understand that sometimes the, the traditional system has certain limitations that may not allow the, the optimal learning uh, for all of the people that are, that are going to be coming to the, to the soul. So 
Okay, think, so we've had a couple I, I of questions coming in, and I'm going to bring them up now, and I think they're, they're pertinent. Um, I, before I do so, I want to give you uh, some credit for a phrase. I don't know if you invented this word, but I think it's brilliant. Soulmates, S-O-L-E-M-A-T-E-S. <laughs> I'm involved? No way. I'm pretty sure really? you created that one. Right. Um, and I, you, you may have. No yeah. way. I would love to take credit for that, but I don't yet. remember it. Congratulations. I don't remember. Dennis wants to know. <laughs> wants uh, to know yeah, it, it, uh, if we, you we have were, any examples of oh, this please, please taking ahead. place, um, and, and maybe that's just sort of a very practical question. Can we look at where this has taken place before this sort of massive experiment? Is there some data that would show, or some example that would show that this is this will work? Well, I, I, I actually think that the, the main places where this is showing that this kind of learning works is all around us. We're just not calling them souls. You know, what happens naturally is people come together around certain ideas and they're passionate about them. And they want to create progress. They want to create value inside these different ideas. And so you start to see businesses form. <coughs> you start to see nonprofits form. And inside that, there's awareness around what they're up to. And people are drawn to that. Oh, man, I want to participate in that. I, I have something to add value to that conversation. And so they're drawn there to learn um, in, in an apprenticeship uh, uh, format where they're kind of learning in this community of practice. And I, I really think that's kind of just fundamental to this human learning that, that we just are, that learning is happening naturally. It, it's what happens all the time for us. And we're amazing learners. Um, it's it's when, when we're able to generate what that is, we're so much better at learning it. And, you know, a self-organized learning environment, I really think, is, is just a way to say, hey, this can happen in an, in, an, in an just as successfully as it does in the traditional system. Um, but you get to generate what it is you're here to do. Um, Right. Um, Steve just typed in. He's one of our team members. And um, so as far as like a concrete, I have seen this work. I actually helped uh, with launching another space like this in Fairfield, Iowa, where it was, we did not have the term of a soul, but it was everything we are saying we are wanting to create here, we did in Fairfield as a smaller experiment. So what we saw were from my personal experience was I got really excited about the idea of creating transformation at the university that I was at at the time. And then my mentor Steve was creating this space for people to have passion-driven learning. And he also had a background in organizational change. So me and the other people who were very enthusiastic and passionate about creating positive transformation at our university started to meet there every single Thursday. 
and we created a vision and we created strategy and we started to use the university as our sandbox to learn how to create social change and how to change cultures. And what we discovered, about three months into it, I started to negotiate all of my classes so I wasn't taking the classes so I could be doing the thing that was actually a valuable learning experiment for me. And so, and that was just my community of practice that formed in that building. There were musicians and artists and people pursuing like learning financial models. And that was all happening in this space where people were just told, that's what you want to do? Okay. Like, here's some resources. It's, interesting, now go do it's it. interesting to me all that the two of you answered that question about is it taking place a little bit differently. What I heard Katie say was that um, we're, we don't, we'll allow people to do, I'm sorry, it wasn't the question of where it's taking place, but the question of the two tracks. Katie said, we'll, you know, we're sort of agnostic here. People can do what's interesting to them. But Dave said, I thought, um, uh, and I'm probably confusing the two questions, but that I have, I've, I've confused two questions. There's a piece here that's of interest to me, which is that you're, you're providing a set of services that go sort of beyond the classwork as well, right, Katie? Uh, including thinking about the food and the environment that really do tend to lead toward um, a thinking about education which is more holistic. Can, can we kind of go there and can you talk a little bit about those kinds of things? Part of our personal, one of our values is sustainability. And we see that value very much through a multi-level lens. And one of those lenses is the wellness of the whole person. So we are implementing food systems or working as best we can within our system to bring in the most sustainable food options and the best meal options. We're working to have meditation available for our students so that they are able to have an experience, a self-development experience that goes deeper than just the intellectual experience. I think it is. And, and Peggy uh, George is following up uh, in maybe education. in some way when she asks how important is the physical space to this learning concept. I mean, kind of beyond the basic infrastructure, um, the physical space anywhere, you know, it, as long as it's conducive for the kind of work that you're trying to do, it's going to be ideal. So certain students are going to maybe be coming with kind of more of a focus on wanting to, wanting to make something, kind of like a maker space or a hacker space. And, you know, that's going to require a very specific kind of setup for them to be able to do what they want to do. Um, you know, if, you, if, you, if a scientist really wants to go deep into the, into the world of whatever it is they're researching, um, there's certain, you know, materials that they're going to need to do that. And so they go to a, a, a university or a, kind of the, the top echelon of that where they can use and have access to the tools for that. You know, for us here at Black Mountain Soul, a lot of what we're focusing on is going to be information that can be downloaded, things that can be read, um, kind of a participatory conversation. Um, and, you know, we have an ideal setup for that, you know, a very kind of traditional university setup, but kind of being implemented uh, in a little bit more of a collaborative way as opposed to a kind of top-down way. 
Right, and this learning, like the learning concept could be as small as a community of practice around a self-led, self-organized learning route. It could be a meetup group and people meet at each other's living room. I think the physical face-to-face -face interaction is really key beyond the physical space. Yeah. So, if there is something very specific like a hacker space or video editing, then of course the, the space lends to that passion. But beyond that, I really so think there is a piece here of just people being together. To but there's another really piece of creating uh, an environment well that's conducive to the goals that you would like. And that doesn't come free in most cases. Right? So how have you looked at the financial models, specifically around Black Mountain, and thinking about uh, how much do you charge, how do you make sure that it's sustainable, especially for a college that has a history of actually having gone bankrupt before? What are you thinking about in terms of what this will cost people? Yeah, so it, it, it kind of depends on the participant. And you know, each participant is going to have their own needs and, and also means. Um, and you know, to be able to facilitate that, we have everything from uh, a, a membership rate that you know it comes to $75 a month. Um, and that really just covers enough for the, the utilities to be on, for them to be able to participate in all of the events that we're having. Um, and you know, they kind of handle whatever living expenses they have, uh, uh, however they want to arrange that. Um, we also have you know, more advanced setups uh, uh, than that for, for someone that may want to regularly use a boardroom uh, for having meetings or um, if they have uh, 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 vi video editing or some kind of media that, that they would like to be working on, we have a, a studio um, where they can uh, pay additional dollars to have access to that uh, setup. Um, just because it's, it's, a, it's expensive to have that equipment, but not everybody is going to be using that. So um, beyond that, we also have a, a residential option. If, if people would like to live on campus, we offer uh, the, the rooms at cost uh, for, for what we pay to, to be able to have access to that room um, so that they can live on campus if they would like to. Or, or they're, they're also welcome to create their own solution. Could you some pushback on this um, when you first announced Black Mountain Asheville if they would like to commute. Right. Uh, um, Audrey Waters in particular and others sort of talked about the, that this was not an inexpensive proposition. And, and so kind of explain how that actually plays out, right? I mean, people are going to have living costs no matter where they live. This is not, uh, it is not actually that right. expensive, but it has the feel of being expensive when you say $12,000 a year or something like that. Absolutely. And, um, you know that that price tag is uh, associated with being a residential participant. So we're really just baking in all of those at cost um, uh, uh, costs for both the residential uh, room arrangement as well as including their meal plan in that. They'd be able they would have three meals a day um, as well as the living arrangement. Uh, kind of baked into that. And if, if you remove those two costs, if, if you just say, hey, yeah, you know, live and, and eat and take care of your own uh, arrangements that way, it, it becomes a, 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 a much more reasonable number. Um, and, you know, the cost of living in, in the area is, is actually above 
what we are what we've been able to secure here uh, for folks uh, to be able to be residential members. So uh, it, it is a big price tag. It, it actually it's expensive to live these days, um, all the way down to the cost of food. Um, but I, I think we we've, we've tried to to find a, an economical way for them to be able to uh, to live here and have access to that community as opposed to just paying to live somewhere and not having access to that community. Um, yeah, and I think as, you know, we're a startup and we're forming and we're experimental in nature and I think as we move forward, we will continue to have an ongoing conversation as to how we can be creative in the funding of this and in the development of funding mechanisms and are seeing a lot of cool things in different organizations. It's important, I think, to, to clarify. You are a nonprofit. So you have gotten an investment. This is going to be an ongoing conversation, right? so for sure. The cost is not reflective of somebody trying to run a for-profit business and create a for-profit model. You're just trying to create sustainability and trying to make the cost as low as possible. I mean, a thousand dollars a month when you really think about it is not an expensive proposition for living compared to a lot of other things. But I think it sort of immediately got compared to tuition and room and board fees. And was that a fair comparison? or, or um, I, I, You said expensive, Dave, but I'm not sure I think it is expensive. And you know that that's going to be a relative conversation, I, I suppose. Um, and it's it's we have compared both the uh, expenses at UNC uh, alongside what you know what we're offering um, in terms of a residential room and board kind of uh, covered package, um, and we come in below that. Um, and it, it's it's kind of the, the cost of, of living. And to your point about uh, us being a, a nonprofit organization, we, we are a 501c3, and uh, we've structured this to be sustainable, um, like you said. Um, it is not a for-profit entity. Um, and the, 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 the heart of this really is to make this kind of self-directed learning accessible um, to people who want to make it a full-time endeavor. Um, I know that th this kind of learning environment was the kind of learning that I went out and sought uh, for me personally in all of the areas that I wanted to excel. Um, and it took a lot to kind of break out of the model to go do that. It was a, it was a perceived very high risk. Um, and, and so we, we want to create something that's not this perception of a risk. It's a, it's a natural and effective way for people to self-direct their learning. Um, and you have some and, fellowships uh, uh, and, uh, and have fruitful, fruitful careers um, in, in whatever, whatever path they choose. So we do. Um, in fact, we, we've awarded uh, four so far um, to applicants uh, in a variety of our, our different programs. And uh, th those range anywhere from a uh, full kind of uh, uh, scholarship for the gap year program, um, uh, all the way to kind of just covering uh, uh, their living expenses while they're here. Um, and you know, as far as the, the conversation around the, the pricing of the programs, we do not want the costs to be a barrier for people. And we do have dollars um, to, to, to be able to help facilitate them participating if the dollars aren't there for them. 
And you know, what, one of the advantages that state universities and, and, and other colleges have is this access to financing. Um, I, I think it's, it's somewhat dangerous, you know, kind of making those dollars available um, uh, to students as debt. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of delays them having to come out of pocket for that. Um, and we don't want dollars to be a barrier uh, for, for someone that's really passionate about being here and self-directing their learning. Um, and we're, we're a, we are a startup and entrepreneurial organization. We are absolutely willing to, to work with people um, who demonstrate that they really want to be here. Uh, we, we want to support self-directed learning. Um, so if, if, if pricing is an issue, talk to us. Um, the so I want to come back to the specific programs. We have some other questions um, that came up. And for the long um, term. And, and these are not going to be in order, so if I've skipped your question, don't worry, I will come back to it. Peggy wanted to know, do you expect anything in return from your students for you providing this learning experience? Uh, I mean, the students themselves are providing the learning experience. We have a facility. We have um, values and a culture that we'll be developing. But they're, they're putting into the system as part of their learning. So, I mean, to me the answer is they are adding value as part of being community. Yeah, and, and Peggy, I, I uh, I want to make sure I answer each 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 kind of component of maybe where your question might be asking. We don't want anyone to I don't know feel indebted to to us. Uh, you know any any more than a university you know has their students indebted to them for their experience. I, they come here to participate and generate their own learning. We're, we're really just creating a space for that. I I would hope that our participants. Uh, Really value that experience and take it, take this time and use it. Um, it's it's an amazing opportunity uh, for someone to be able to take time and be a part of a community that's intentional. Um, but you know, there's no written uh, agreement or other I don't, I don't know kind of understanding that they're supposed to somehow pay us back or or, or something else like that. Um, we expect people who come here to be self-directed. And to, to do whatever it takes for them to, to live the life of their dreams. That, that's really what we, we expect that of our, our participants, our students. Um, it's that kind of intentionality. Um, but beyond that, no. Uh, the, 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 the price tag uh, or whatever they're so able Peggy's to Peggy's followed up with the question I was with ask, us, which is um, uh, one that Roger that's asked the earlier. We have in terms uh, of the transaction. And that is can you see this environment extending? beyond or below the higher ed level. Peggy asks, could you bring a family? Uh, Roger was asking, is there a way to bring this environment to K-12? Um, our family is coming this next year, and um, we have a 15-year-old daughter. And I would, I'm not sure she would love to do this, but I would love for her to do this. Absolutely. Uh, the, we've actually been in conversations with a variety of, I'll say, uh, younger learners. Um, and the, the whole idea is to, to find people that resonate with the conversation. And 
that has a, that's a maturity conversation. I know some 40-year-olds that are not at the maturity level of some 14-year-olds that I've recently spoken with. Um, that's, that's kind of a, a we're a self-selecting uh, group. We, the, the, the people know that they belong here, um, and we, you can tell pretty quickly uh, whether whether or not they're they're actually committed to to making something happen, making this experience of value. Um, and I absolutely want that to be uh, something that families can participate in, that uh, groups of people that are uh, teams can participate in. Uh, this is a a a, a self-organized learning environment <laughs> for people to come uh, and and make make uh, make great things uh, to work together. Um, and as far as extending this to K through 12. Uh, we're actually working with uh, a couple of folks uh, in New York. This is uh, another connection we made through Emerging Leader Labs um, with the Manhattan Free School. And, and their primary focus um, is on the uh, kind of m middle school through uh, uh, high school uh, demographic. And we very much want to, to help the, the sole model at all stages, whether it's higher ed, or uh, the primary stages of education, and uh, we we want to create a hub uh, where where people that are trying to pick up the ball and run with it can come and and, and learn and, and share uh, uh, best practices and, and insights on 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 how they're doing this. And there's actually a community of folks um, specifically who are kind of organized around Dr. Sugata Mitra's uh, sole challenge that he issued. Uh, earlier this year, and um, I can get that website for you, Steve, after this, but th they're actually creating a kind of archive of all of these people that are going out and starting the K through 12 um, souls, and, and that might be a, a great resource to Good. tap into, um, and we'd I would be happy to, to facilitate Alan any to know uh, connections if there there's, for, um, for anyone interested in an, that. A planned affirmative action or an outreach Ooh. program to make sure that there's diversity. Uh, and then this actually ties really well with the Franz Johansson book, uh, The Click Moment. He wrote a book previous to that called The Medici Effect about the true benefits of diversity. Ha has that been a part of your thinking? Uh, is it too early for you to be thinking about that? Or how have you approached that? We, ha we, we have, as a public charity, a, a charge to include anyone and everyone that is interested in participating in our programs. So there's, there's no uh, uh, discrimination on, on any of those levels. As far as a structured uh, uh, affirmative action or any, or any kind of program that way, um, we value diversity in our culture. Um, we understand that um, different, different folks are going to bring a different uh, ingredient to this kind of recipe. And uh, I, I don't know specifically how to spearhead that best. Um, and we're, we're still in that conversation of how to reach out to these different segments uh, of our world. Um, and uh, you know, those, those range everywhere from different socioeconomic levels uh, to different cultural backgrounds, there's a lot, and to different strengths, like you know, artists versus you know, kind of the more science and and, and uh, uh, maybe engineering thinking. So how do you bring these people together in a way that isn't cacophonous, 
Um, and, and has each of them been able to contribute what they have um, and add value? So we're very much, uh, I, I'd say, in the conversation of figuring out how so Black Mountain has a uh, history but, but we don't have any specific program uh, uh, like an affirmative sort of, action or anything um, in place on the fringe. And Peggy says she's getting this vision of communal homeschooling or unschooling. And, and that brings up thoughts of Summerhill and uh, other sort of experiments in, in um, free education or, un, or unschooling. Lisa says, no Kool-Aid, please, which I think means this gets into territory that can be uncomfortable for people. So uh, um, how, how do you address that sort of question of, is this just another kind of hippie <laughs> idea that uh, um, is not actually going to produce tangible benefit or in some way you know, is, is going so far off the radars to be non-productive for anybody? Yeah, I think, right. I think one of the main ways that uh, we're trying to bring rigor to that kind of, uh, uh, to this opportunity, to this experiment, is to actually have a platform where uh, participants are actually showcasing the, the projects that they're working on, um, the results that they are producing, and kind of tracking kind of the, the, the progress of, of our participants uh, actively as they're going through the programs. And it is a challenge because there's a, there's a temptation, I think, to institutionalize certain things. And then you know, kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum, there's the, this desire to have complete uh, uh, kind of a, a democratic uh, uh, and completely free uh, learning environment. And th there's a happy medium between those two that, that has the agility to be able to, to be in that world of uncertainty of the free learning. Um, but also has the rigor to be able to, to, to demonstrate excellence, to demonstrate the deliverables um, that, that are coming out of it. Um, and you know, th that's, a, <laughs> that's something that we want to make open source. We want to make our uh, uh, methodology available. Um, and we want that to be flexible. Um, the, the moment that those things become fixed is, is kind of the moment that, uh, that there's going to start being problems. Uh, because you have to have that agility to be able to respond to, uh, to new inputs. Um, and you've got to be able to be flexible enough to, to adjust to the community that's coming in. You know, e each group is going to be bringing in different things that they're focused on. And so things that, structures that work with another group may just not even apply to this new group. So just being very intentional about uh, who we're bringing in um, and making sure that they're, they're focused and intentional with their time while they're here. Um, and that, that's, that's a big challenge on us. And I, I think, Katie, you have some of this here. Right. I think initially a lot of the early adopters are going to be coming from these alternative uh, schools of thought. And I, that's going to be a big help for us. But I understand the concern. I went to um, Maharishi University of Management. And there's a lot of Kool-Aid drinking there as well, as I'm sure is not a surprise. Um, and I understand the concern of like the hippie, dippy kind of stuff and how that might kind of get painted as what our culture is. But I really think it's kind of, there's a lot of entrepreneurial undertone and a lot of who we've been talking to anyway. And I think going from idea to execution is what keeps that grounded and keeps it from going into 
very, very, because execution. So David is brings up mentorship, and what we're doing you're talking about culture. Is learning how to go you know, we've only got a few minutes left, and we're having the the system is not doing a good job of actually showing the web pages, so I can't bring up the web page. But could we have you kind of go through these uh, the different programs that you've set up here? Um, co-working space, the MOOC campus, uh, radical sabbatical. You know, I, I came there and like a bull in a china shop said that felt really complicated to me. But I think you're you're still sort of phrasing things that way, right? And do you want to describe what those programs are? Sure. To, as a preface to that, uh, <laughs> those programs were developed as we were first working with this idea. It was almost so so big that we were scared people wouldn't innately understand like the different ways they could use it. So these are programs. These programs represent ideas of ways that you could use the space to show the diversity of the ways the space could be used. So it's clear that it's not just one of these types. So we have the Gap Year program, which is our only really beginning and end program, and it's our most structured program. It's a nine-month program. The first three months are really what we're calling the Vision Quest, and that's where students or participants have the opportunity to get a lot of clarity around what they're passionate about, what their drivers are, where they have skill sets, and really it's a time for self-exploration. The next phase of that is the practical immersion phase, and that is we're just offering information in practical skill sets, and that could be public speaking or networking or developing willpower. These things that these tools that we've gathered on our way that we feel made us successful just as skill sets. And then the last phase of that is an implementation phase, and. The gap year program really is for people figuring out what they want to do, and it could be that they figure out they want to go to medical school. So that implementation phase would be helping them get everything in order to get into that medical school and creating something that they can execute on. Or it could be launching a business and then they stay as part of our community running that business, which brings me very easily to co-working. Co-working is just for anyone who wants to have an office desk space, not an office, it's really a desk space. To run their business, and the reason they want to do that, and the reason we would accept them into our co-working center, is because they love the culture of learning and of creativity and collaboration. And the benefit we see in having that is that mentorship can naturally arise, and people who are earlier in their career development can be inspired by seeing people self-direct their lives. The other program we have is the Radical Sabbatical, and that's for someone who wants to take some time off or really just focus in on a project that they've never given themselves time to do before. And they want to do that in a space, again, that's dynamic and has creativity just in every corner of the room. And finally, there's Moot Campus, which is the completely self-organized sector of our learning community. And they will still have the opportunity to come in and we will go through a process to help them develop to get a sense of where they want to be and where they are and kind of developing how to get there and having some feedback loops. Are you getting a sense now general, from the people who are expressed interest like as to which of those hold more appeal? 
We definitely um, pushed hard for the gap year, given that it's it's the only really time sensitive of the, of the programs that we're offering. Um, and you know, we, we have quite a few applications for that, and we're excited to be going through the interview stage uh, with our applicants. Um, and you know, just from that, because we've been pushing that, you know, I think that's what the the, the major response we're seeing. But uh, in conversation, uh, both inside the community and in uh, different events that we've been to, um, the, the the concept of the soul as a uh, learning community um, to be able to engage with, um, that's actually become the the, the the central point of interest. If they want to have a place where they can come do these things, to work on the projects that they want to, um, and, and come to see these events and see what people are up to, see what's being created in their community. Um, and I, I think the, the, the soulmate has become the major uh, point of interest. And um, actually, on a, a, a lot of things that came out of our conversation with you, Steve, was how to actually communicate that soulmate opportunity uh, that's available here uh, without distracting anybody with these kind of uh, uh, possible uh, program offerings. And we're actually going to be revamping the uh, the site to to be uh, a little bit more the, in the remaining time uh, that we have around that facility. idea. Um, um, Peggy wants to know: Is it uh, handicapped accessible? Uh, I'm interested in what you've had to do to bring it up to speed. Uh, has it has it been being maintained? Um, you know, maybe maybe give us a little bit of a description from when Black Mountain College itself moved away. And uh, and now, how has the facility been being used, and what have you had to do to bring it up to to a place where you you're comfortable with it? Yeah, um, the, they are historical sites um, that uh, have maintained pretty much the same uh, general infrastructure that they had when they were built. Uh, almost a hundred years ago, um, and uh, the 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 upgrades that have been made to be able to have uh, electricity um, and high speed internet and uh, air conditioning and those things that's pretty much the only upgrades that have been made um, on the site uh, on the properties themselves um, and there is a part of it that is handicapped accessible. Um, and, and there are parts that are not handicap accessible, and the, those have only been maintained uh, uh, because of the historic building status. Um, so the, the, there is a, a, a challenge there for participants that may come with disabilities, um, and you know that's something we're going to have to address as we move forward. Um, we also have access to other facilities that are handicap accessible um, on the uh, Blue Ridge Assembly property. And um, if we have participants that um, have those special needs, um, we're happy to uh, make arrangements to, to accommodate them. Um, as far as the, the rest of the, the facility itself, I mean, we're on 1,200 acres of the Black Mountains. Um, it is gorgeous here. There's trails literally 50 yards from uh, our building. Um, as you walk outside, uh, you can go on a hike. Um, and if you want that to be uh, an all-day affair, uh, the, the, or just a, a, a short, easy walk, um, there's pretty much everything you would want in terms of trail accessibility. There's also a frisbee golf course, uh, tennis courts, a gym, 
um, a gymnasium, a climbing wall, outdoor and indoor for the climbing wall, uh, a full ropes course. Um, my background in the Special Forces community, we, we did a lot of different confidence course, um, obstacle courses, and things of that nature. And this is one of the most extensive that I've there ever a seen. Pool? Um, the ropes course. <laughs> um, and uh, what else do we have? I already said the, the frisbee golf. The pool. There is a pool. It's an outdoor pool. An Olympic outdoor pool. Uh, and believe it or not, I, I've been working so hard I haven't gotten out there to swim there. Um, but I'm hoping to do that later this week. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, let's see. That, that pretty much covers, I mean, there's, there's tons of fields for uh, volleyball, for soccer, for uh, archery. So I'm sort of in negotiations right now with Katie and Dave. They're not heavy duty negotiations, but I'm really interested in holding some activities at Black Mountain. And in part, I want to hold at least one sort of large scale conference because the venue is so pretty and you could accommodate a, a pretty good number of people. But uh, I also want to hold these three to four day deep dives where we bring in special guests and we spend time in, in small sort of conversation, maybe do a broadcast or two so that other people can be a part of the uh, of some of that conversation, but have a place where for three or four days you can sit on couches and take walks and really talk deeply about some of the critical issues facing education today. So I'm really hopeful that we're going to work that out. Katie, I think you and I are on for Friday to nail down all the details. Correct. Tough negotiations going on here. I'm, I'm in your corner, Steve. <laughs> anyway, this is really fun. Katie, Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show and for uh, giving us a, a, a glimpse. If people want to know more, tell us where to go. Go to Black And, and I wish I could bring that up on the screen. I apologize that I can't. But Please do go there. And if people are interested in actually talking to you about or uh, coming, there's information on the site as to how to make contact, right? Hey, thanks, everybody. Thanks to Katie and Dave. Thanks for attending. Absolutely. Coming Absolutely. up, uh, we have a little bit of a break, but then on July 23rd, Franz Johansson on the click moment, and on the 30th, Don Winkle on student entrepreneurship. Lots of fun ahead. Have a great July. Take care, everybody. Bye now. Thanks Thank so much. You,